I'm Megan. I'm Colin. And this is Pet Sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Hi there. Welcome to episode 296. Hello. Today we are going to be talking about surveys. But first, we want to thank Pet Sitters Associates, our sponsor, and our Patreon members. If you don't know what a Patreon member is, that is a weird word. So if you don't know what it is, it is helping to support the show. In a financial way. So we have currently set up two tiers. There's the Dachshund tier and the Great Dane tier because we're corny like that. But the Dachshund tier is $5 a month. And basically, this is if you have benefited from the show and you would like to help support the show and keep it going. That's the tier for you. Yeah, if you've learned something or enjoyed some of the episodes, that would be for you. If you would like to be more involved with a monthly online meetup, you would like to get early episode drops to your inbox. If you would like access to more things sooner as we release them, the Great Dane tier is for you, and that is $15 a month. We've been doing the uh, monthly members meetups, and we're really excited about doing more of those and continuing that kind of thing and building more of a community there, just getting together, brainstorming, relaxing, sharing ideas and topics, and see how everybody's doing. So if you would be interested in either of those, you can go to petsitterconfessional.com slash support. There's also a link in the show notes as well. This episode is all about surveys. So if you should do it, how you should do it, what questions to ask, when not to do it. And so let's dive in. Yeah. So the first question you need to ask about doing a survey is, is, should you do one? Yes. Okay. So if you decide to do one, (laughs) but why? Why is it important to do a survey? And there's lots of different aspects that we have to take into account here. The first one is that we're a service industry. So how do we know if we are doing a good job at all? Wouldn't you love to know of any issues that have come up before they manifest themselves in a bad review or in a client leaving you? Surveying your clients gives you a heads up for changes on the horizon with what your clients need or expect. Right now, people are feeling the pinch at the pump at the grocery store. Do your clients still think your service is an outstanding value? Now, well, we think so. We think so. And and the problem is, is that the metric that we tend to use is, do they continue to book me? Mm-hmm. That's a very bad metric because they may continue to book you, but they may be doing so out of an obligation or they feel like they're between a rock and a hard place and they don't know what to do. Or they may not want to go through the quote unquote hassle of finding another pet sitter, but may not be 100% satisfied with you. Yeah. So just seeing your client list maintained doesn't mean that they're all 100% satisfied. And so when you can survey people. Basically, you get a peek behind the curtain. You look at where their opinion, where their views, where their investment in you is waning, and it allows you to adapt and change to that and pivot if you have to, to meet those new demands. But we also want to talk about when not to do it. And a very important point here is do not do it when you are asking questions for regarding decisions for your business. So an example would be prices. Do not ask people if you should raise your prices because likely you're going to get a resounding no. <laughs> you, n- Nobody's going to say, yes, please charge me $5 more. You know, you run your business. It's not a democracy where everyone has a vote. So why bother even sending out a survey for those kind of decisions? So a better question could be, is my service still a high value to you? Is my service still worth what you're paying? You're not asking them, can I raise my prices? Because if you get back a question when everybody says, no, your service is not worth what I'm paying anymore, you know that raising prices is going to be difficult. 
Now, you still may go ahead and do it because, you know, you can pull some people along. But if you have everybody responding that, yep, you're still super valuable to me, I can't imagine any other service, you know you have a lot of pricing power with your clients at that point. So again, you're not asking, you're not polling them saying, should I or shouldn't I raise my prices? But you're getting an idea of how they view your service in your company so you can make better informed decisions. And you know what to expect when you decide to move forward with some of those things. Yeah, you're not asking for permission to do things in your business. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Or expanding your service area. I know that's a new thing people are doing. Hey, I'm getting a new, you know, a lot of requests for a service that's, you know, for a town that's, you know, 35 minutes away. Should I start servicing that area? Of course, people in that service area are going to say yes. So why, why, why would you do that? The next step is how are you going to get your clients to answer this? How are you going to let them know that you have a survey out that you would like them to answer? An email newsletter is still, in my opinion, the best bang for your buck, especially if you have, you know, all of your, basically all of your clients' emails once they fill out the pet profile or you gather the information at the meet and greet. If they've given you their email, you probably have a lot of emails just sitting there if you're not already sending a newsletter. So send them a survey. And the great thing about sending it in an email, a link in an email, is that they can save the email and work on it later at their leisure. Because you may think that you should do it with a social media post. And, And I think that that is another way to get some input. But there's a very big word of caution that you should have going into that is because you may get responses from people who aren't actually your clients or aren't in your service area or are just following you because they like all the cute puppy photos and actually don't need a pet sitter. So be very careful of exactly who you are polling. That's why an email list is so powerful because you know every single one of these people has at, at least at some point signed up for my services and used me as my services. And so I can ask them questions directly versus a general poll in for the general audience or general uh, people in your area. Another way to do it is in person. So if they are picking their dog up from you or at the meet and greet, you can ask how the onboarding process has been so far for them. But I, I would caution with this one because people tend to give skewed answers when it's face-to-face because they don't want to disappoint you. They they are going to be reading your face as they are answering these questions. Yeah, even if you decide you're going to leave a paper copy of a survey at somebody's house, they are still going to know that you know where that came from. So it is not anonymous. And absolutely, when you ask somebody, how satisfied are you with my services? And they're staring at you and you're standing in their home, that can be a little awkward for them to say, actually, no, I'm not satisfied at all. So know that you can ask some questions in person. Others are much better anonymous. And we'll ask, we'll talk about some questions and things like that here in a little bit. But you could also send uh, a quick survey, a few, a few questions in your text message or in your updates that you send to a client and say, how was this, this service? How are you feeling about the onboarding process or things that have been changing recently? You're already communicating to them through that channel. So go ahead and continue to communicate with them with your survey. It is important, as you mentioned, to think about if it's going to be anonymous or not, or if you are going to give people an option to leave their name. I think it's best to always default to an anonymous survey, especially if you're asking tough questions, because then if they know that there will be no name attached to this, they can be more brutally honest than they would be (laughs) before. (laughs) And as you mentioned, Megan, you can always have an option for them to leave their name and additional information for you to contact them to follow up for specific concerns. So just having something that says, 
uh, it's a fill in the blank that says, I'd like to be con- contacted to follow up on my responses. Yes, no. And then they can enter their name and contact information. This allows for them to continue to feel like that their voice is heard, especially because it can be frustrating as somebody who is filling out a survey to see the responses and see the questions and go, none of these are actually getting to the point of what I want to tell you about. And so it opens that door a little bit for them to continue that conversation. Now, you as the person who are sending out the survey, you need to be ready for that kind of feedback and be prepared to have some of these in-depth conversations. Before we dive into the types of surveys that you can send, one last point that I'd like to make is that you need to think about the goal of your survey. What are you going to do with the information? How is it going to benefit you and your business? It's just asking questions. Basically, any, doing anything in business without a purpose means that you're A, you're not going to execute it well, and B, it's not going to be beneficial to you. You're already busy enough. You have a lot on your plate. The last thing you want to do is just try and do something randomly just because you think you should do it or somebody told you to do it. Have a purpose. Have a reason. Have goals in mind that this is going to help you reach. So, And it's going to give you more data and more things to add to that decision-making process. Well, especially since you're asking you know, five minutes of your client's time. They are taking their time. You want to make sure that they know why they're doing this and that you know why they're doing this too. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) When it comes to surveys, there are two basic kinds that we can use and implement in our business. There's a wide variety here, but essentially there are end-of-visit surveys. So these are surveys that you send immediately after a visit is wrapped up. And it's especially great if you have staff because you can use that feedback for staff reviews or incentive programs and make sure that your training programs are doing what you have designed them to do. It's also great if you don't have staff because then you get internal feedback immediately that is not for public review. And that's really important because basically you can catch things before they go out to do a review for your Google My Business or on your Facebook page. This kind of shunts them and blunts that kind of response that people have of they weren't satisfied, they're kind of angry and frustrated. So instead of going to leave a Google review, you automatically send them a link that says, tell us about your visit. They have that little bit of a release valve that goes straight to you so that you can start making some changes. And then if you get a positive response from the survey, then you can follow up with a a link to go leave a public review on Google My Business or on Facebook or wherever you have that listing. Obviously, that is not anonymous, though. You know, they don't have to put their name on it, but it is easy to track it to that person. And sometimes, even if it is anonymous, they will... If you have open-ended questions, <laughs> they will they will type the dog's name in there, and it'll give away who it is. Exactly. Or they'll describe a particular situation that you helped out with, and you go, okay, I know who that is. <laughs> so there's the end-of-visit surveys, and then there are the general business surveys. Yeah, the how-are-we-doing type surveys. It could be at year-end or just whenever you want. You know, we have actually never really done one before, and we just sent one out a few days ago. So it's it's really great for big picture kind of things. When you're thinking about making a, adjustments, whether it's small or big, these are great for just kind of gauging where your client's thoughts and feelings are about you and your business. Like you mentioned for those big picture, when you have a lot of economic things that are changing and going on around us and we need to know how our clients are feeling or what kind of services they may anticipate or be expecting in the future. Those are the kind of surveys that you're going to put together for that. Now, when it comes to actually putting together a survey, we wanted to talk about some good platforms that you can use. So Google Forms is a great one. We use that one. It gives you pretty nice stats of 
what they answered. It filters it out based on the individual. You can customize the questions. You can customize the settings on it. And it gives a wide variety of question types. Now, when you say it filters out by individual, it does not identify that person. It'll just say survey survey member one had these responses. Survey member two had these responses. But you don't actually know who it is. Uh, well, unless you put you know your name or they put their name in there or you give yeah or they give some identifying information away but yes it will just sort by this is respondent 1 respondent 2 now one downfall of google forms is that it presents all of the questions in a single list instead of one at a time and this is can be bad form if you have a lot of questions that you want people to answer because as they scroll it becomes it starts to be overwhelming to them so that's another thing is you have to manage the kind the number of questions if you're going to have 20 or more questions it's better to have have them show up one at a time in front of somebody because it's less overwhelming and they're actually more likely to complete the entirety of the survey versus having them listed all on the same page where they just kind of scroll and scroll and scroll. That people don't complete those surveys as well. Well, in Google Forms, you do actually have the option to have a progress bar so they can see where they are, how much they've already completed. Very beneficial because people are going to want to know, when does this end? Yeah. <laughs> And then the, the the other really popular platform is actually SurveyMonkey. Now, there is a free version, but it has limits of up to 10 questions, which is more than enough, depending on what kind of things you're trying to get at here. And then the other really downfall is this, is that you can only see 40 responses uh, in total. So if you send a survey to 100 people and 60 respond, you'll only see 40 responses out of that total. So it doesn't give you the whole picture. Now you can upgrade, you get access to more features. And as you put together your survey on SurveyMonkey, it'll have things shaded that'll say, oh, if you want to use this feature, you have to upgrade. So you kind of know what you can and can't do as you're building this out on that platform. There are a few other ones out there like JotForm and TypeForm, but those really two, the Google Forms and SurveyMonkey are the biggest ones. But whatever platform you choose to go with, or maybe you just make your own on your website, that could be a possibility as well. But whichever one you go with, make sure that it's going to fit you and it's going to be as easy as possible for the client. We want as little stumbling blocks as possible. Something with no stumbling blocks is Pet Sitters Associates. As pet care professionals, your clients trust you to care for their furry family members. So Pet Sitters Associates is here to help. For over 20 years, they have provided thousands of members with quality pet care insurance. Since you work in the pet care industry, you can take your career to the next level with flexible coverage options, client connections, and complete freedom in running your business. Learn why Pet Sitters Associates is the perfect fit for you and get a free quote today at PetsitLLC.com. You can get a discount when joining by clicking Membership Pet Sitter Confessional and use the discount code CONFESSIONAL at checkout to get $10 off today. Check out the benefits of membership and insurance once again at PetsitLLC.com. When you are conducting surveys, you are actually conducting research. And so it's really important to set some proper expectations for what kind of feedback and numbers and quality of data you are going to get back. So the first one here is don't expect a high response rate, okay? This is a chronic problem in survey and poll data at national, at local levels all the time. It is a real chronic problem of getting good responses, not just good responses, but any responses when you ask people questions. And this could be for a myriad of reasons. And just a few of them are, the first one could be a poor survey experience. So this could be that they are basically telling you that they didn't like your survey, or they didn't like the program, or they didn't like how it was formatted. And it can be anything from your choice of topic or the questions to the actual survey quality, the layout, the length, all of that can inhibit people's 
uh, propensity to fill out the survey. They could also be rushed or you could have busy clients that would limit that where they look at that and they go, I can't add another five minutes to my plate, so I'm not going to even bother. We've mentioned it a few times already, but it could be that your survey was too long. Really focus in on getting high quality questions in the eight to 12 question range is going to really focus this down a lot, not just for you, but it's going to make it workable and doable for your clients as well. Then there could be concerns over privacy. We mentioned if they don't feel like it's anonymous or like you're going to be harvesting data or the site looks sketchy or whatever reason, they might not move forward at all. And then thirdly, it could be confusing process, the question types. There could be too many essay questions. So you have too many things where you go, here, please write me 15 paragraphs about your experience. And there's not enough short, quick answers that can move them along quickly through that. Because we know a lot of people have questions about what is a good response rate. And this is an ongoing st- part of study and questions that people will have t- for all of eternity. But it depends on the audience that you are trying to survey. It depends on the length of survey. It depends on the questions you're asking, the topic. All of that actually builds into a good survey response. Now, an average is really you're looking at there between 20 and 30% are going to respond to a survey. If you fall below 10% response rate, that's really bad. And a good, excellent response rate is anything above 50. And as a company, it may feel limiting to only get that amount, but that's actually pretty average for what you could expect to get survey responses from. And so if you do send out a survey and you get a pretty low response rate, you need to determine if you are going to send the survey again. You may consider keeping the survey open for a little bit longer in case more people want to respond or more people open your email or see the link wherever you put it. You also may choose to send it in a different way. So if you send via email the first time, try through a text message if that's something that your clients are open to and that's a regular way of communication between you. Or again, you may try social media, but caution there is you may get respondents that you don't actually want. Randos. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then also may try sending it at different times of the day or week or month or whatever it is, whatever goal that you have set you may choose to send it again. Well, we just recently did a survey of our own for our business, and we've been taking on a bunch of clients, and it's actually been a really long time since we've last asked our clients anything. And it's never been in a quite formal manner as we decided to move forward with it this time. So basically, we were previously just asking people in person or through text and casually asking them things like, are you happy with how, how we're serving you? What else can we do? So we wanted to do something different this time. So we put together a 10-question survey and emailed it out to our entire email list. What was our goal for this? It was to get a baseline of our current customer satisfaction and what they'd like to see from us. Well, and especially since we had never really done anything like this before, we yeah. just wanted to kind of see and engage what people are feeling. Exactly. You can get that baseline information. The very first survey response that you get from people, you're not going to be able to do a whole lot with it unless you really start digging into it. It's when you start getting a second and a third and a fourth that you can start seeing trend lines and you and you can see where people are, are, are going as you make changes to your business. But I would caution with sending them out too frequently Yeah, because people get really overwhelmed easily and they are less likely to fill it out probably a second and third time if you send it within such a short time. Yeah, that goes back to your goals and your understanding for what this is. So these big, big picture kind of questions and surveys, maybe that's a once a year thing or a quarterly thing at most. You're not sending this to them once a week. So here are some of the questions that we asked our clients in our most recent survey. First one was, how would you rate your overall experience with our company on a scale of one to five, with one being the lowest, five being the highest? 
Then we asked, do you feel that you and your pet are part of the bunch? With a yes, neutral, and a no. Thirdly, we asked, how would you rate the value for money of our services? A one being not worth it and a five being definitely worth it. What's important to note when we're putting together our surveys is we have to have consistent scales and responses and not try and mix them up too much because people get confused. Yeah, like a one to five and then the next question is one to ten. Yep, or the five and one get switched oh. for whatever random reason. Absolutely. So then we asked, how well do our services meet your needs? A one being not well at all and then a five being very well. And then we wanted to know, how can we improve your experience with us? So this is the standard question that most companies ask is, how can we be better, basically? And that was a a long answer text, an open-ended paragraph. And going along with that, we then asked, how can we better equip you as a pet parent? Because one of the goals of our company is to gather a community of educated, well-informed pet parents that that are able to get their pets to live their best lives. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we see ourselves as educators. And so if we can get some ideas for where pet parents are struggling, that can help us put together content. We know who to talk to, what resources we need to have on hand for them. And then how is our level of communication? So we think it's really good, but... We think it's awesome. Yeah, (laughs) but does your client. So is it too much, too little, or just right? And then we also wanted to know how can we improve the booking process? We are always wanting to streamline things, make more things efficient and crystal clear to the client because we want very little road bumps in the way for them. Well, and we had mentioned before we'd gotten some feedback from a client who said she almost dreaded booking us. Mm -hmm. And so this really got stuck in our brain as, are other people experiencing this? Do other people have that concern and that frustration with the process? If so, we need to know about it so we can make those changes. Yeah, so that is something to think about. If you've gotten a question or a comment about a, a pain point in your business, specifically from a client, you may poll your other client, seeing if are they having the same issue or is this just a one-off situation? Yep. And then finally, we wrapped it up with a long form answer of, is there anything else you'd like to share with us? Comments, concerns, questions, criticisms for them to kind of give them an open platform to air any grievances or share any encouragements that they wanted to give us. Something also that we have not talked about yet is, are you going to make these questions requirements? So most of them on our survey were required. I try not to make the long answers required because people are more likely to just click a one to five or click a yes, no answer much more than they are to type something out. But the biggest one that I really wanted them to answer is how can we better equip you as a pet parent? Because again, the the goal, one of the goals of our company is to educate pet parents. Yeah. So making them required and not required is really going to reflect your goals for the survey. There may be some nice to have responses, but you always have to centralize this back into the, what do I have to have responded in order to, for me to get the most out of this? And this is all wrapped Wrapping up to best practices in surveys. Asking good questions is really hard. Asking questions in a survey to understand client behavior is even harder. Survey methodology is really big business, and we don't go, we won't go into absolutely everything here about that. It's, it's entire courses and fields of study to understand how do I ask a question to get the response that I need to make a decision. That's really hard. <laughs> so we're basically going to focus on five things that you must do to get the most out of your survey. And the first one is keep it short. Yep. So we have, I feel like we've talked about this before, but make sure your main goal is clear and concise, finding the shortest way to ask a question without really muddying the water or its intent. 
and then edit your questions. Very important. Make sure they're correctly spelled. There's correct punctuation where it needs to be because that's also a reflection of you and your business is if a client sees that, they go, oh, I, you know, I thought that this company was better than misspelling the word there. You meant to say T-H-E-I-R, but you said T-H-E-R-E. It's not just editing it for content, but it's editing it for purpose. Again, keeping this in this 8 to 12 question range for for length uh, makes means that you're going to have some that just don't make the cut this time. And so you really have to look at this group of questions that I'm asking. Is, oh, is there a cohesive whole here? Does this get to the intent? Does this get me moving forward? Or is this, again, just a nice-to-have kind of question? If it doesn't meet those goals, you have to remove it because, again, the long longer that you make this survey, the more likely people are to not complete it. Another best practice is asking open-ended questions. And I know we just said, talked about the requiring them or not requiring them, but it is, it's tempting to stick with multiple choice questions because again, those are what people are going to answer the most. But make sure that the open-ended questions that you do ask are very important to the intent of the survey and what you want to do moving forward with the answers that you get. Well, and you're going to get some things that you didn't even think about to ask from clients. When you ask the anything else, can we do, is there anything else you want us to know about? Those are going to actually give you the best insights from clients into what you need to be looking on or focusing on or maybe future questions to put into surveys. Then it also comes to questions you need to avoid asking leading or loaded questions. Basically, these are questions that lead respondents towards a certain answer due to biased phrasing that when you do that, you won't get valuable or accurate feedback. Basically, avoid asking something like, we've recently invested a bunch of time and money in training and certifications to bring you the best service possible. What are your thoughts on the services that you receive? You are leading them into that they are getting the best services possible. You are loading that question with, I've done a lot of work. I've done a lot of hard things. Don't you dare say bad things about my service. (laughs) And so it is important to also use yes, no questions. We did some of that. It's very simple to do because clients are going to want to click yes or no. Don't overcomplicate any of this. So if you ask, do you feel valued as a customer? It doesn't need a high-valued, not-valued, kind-of-valued answer. It's just a yes, no, or maybe, or you know, maybe three options at most, but yes. very simple. Basically, if it's a yes-no question, only offer those. Don't overcomplicate this. What's great about this method is that you can then also ask a follow-up question. So you can ask, explain why you feel or you don't feel valued. Pairing a yes-no with an open-ended question gives you a lot of data and helps make sure that the client feels heard. Or making it a more robust question than just, do you feel valued? But how, in what aspect do you want them to feel valued in your business? The last best practice that we're going to talk about is get specific and avoid assumptions. When you create questions that assume a customer is knowledgeable about something, you're likely going to run into problems unless you are surveying a very targeted subset of people. But one of the big culprits of this is language and terminology you use in your questions. So again, we talked about this before, but talking about pet sitting, well, what does that mean? Does the client think you mean house sitting or coming over to their house a few times a day? Some people even think pet sitting is the same thing as boarding. So making sure that all of your clients are on the same page. And especially if you have some brand new clients, they may not understand what you mean. And Megan said we had that last one. Here's your sixth bonus thing that you must do when putting out a survey. We alluded it to a a little bit in the beginning of the show, but you must tell the recipient 
why you're doing this. And absolutely critical here is is how you plan to use the feedback. Nothing is more infuriating than getting a survey and you have no idea the intent behind it or how it will or will not influence things in that company or for that person in the future. People need to know that their opinion is beneficial and will actually be taken into consideration. So tell them how. And this could be something as simple as, at our company, we are constantly doing our best to make sure our services exceed your expectations. We put together a short, anonymous survey for you to fill out. We use your feedback when making decisions on trainings, services, and customer support initiatives. Thank you for your time. Because at the end of the day, a purposeless survey will have no purpose for you and your business. Well, and you don't want to be wasting your client's time either. You don't want to put waste your time putting it together. <laughs> you don't want to waste their time actually taking it. And so making sure that it fits with what you're trying to do going forward, that you are not simply asking for their permission to do anything in your business, but that you are actively using their feedback to better your business. Yeah. You know your business more better than anybody else. You have goals and you have objectives that you want to meet. You only are able to do those if you have the right clients alongside you to make that happen. So take some time right now and think about where you want your company to be in one year, five years, 10 years down the road, and then think about what kind of clients, what kind of business do I need to have to get there? and start asking some of those questions. You're not going to be able to ask them all at once. You need to put them in groups and maybe have themed surveys about, oh, this survey I'm asking about customer satisfaction. This survey I'm asking about value. This survey I'm asking about services. And that way you can have kind of a rolling period where you go, the first quarter is when I send my survey where I ask about value. The second quarter is when I ask about services. The third quarter is when I ask about something else. And find that pattern and that rhythm so you can start collecting that data and you can make really good decisions, especially again, as we think about how can I make sure my company is and business is set up for success in good times and in bad times. That comes with understanding what we want. That comes with understanding our clients and why they use us. Because then we know what we can invest in and what we need to do more of and what we, very importantly here, need to get rid of in our business so we can continue to attract like-minded clients and keep the ones that we actually want. If you have survey tactics that really work for you, we would love to know. You can email us at feedback at petsitterconfessional.com or on Instagram and Facebook at petsitterconfessional. On this week's Ask a Biz Coach question, Natasha O'Banion answers, how do I slow down my life? So you, if you're if you're running full speed ahead, right, full, full foot on the gas, then you're going to have to take a stop. You know, we all have to hit the brakes at some point. Hit the brake today, right? There's no better time than today. And decide, you know what, like you said, this is not sustainable for me to be going, you know, 100 miles per hour. What would be comfortable? What would I, what would I enjoy? So we put a cap on our dog walkers. Every dog walker could do 10 to 12 walks in a pack because they were doing four dogs at once. We're like, that feels comfortable. We know that when we start doing 15, 17, stuff getting wonky. (laughs) So start to write out in measurements, like what can you measure for your team that feels good so you're not always running, 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 running. Same thing with the software. I know some of us are still trying to figure out what software to use. Well, now they're all pretty much comparable at this point. They're all taking our feedback and putting all the things in. And if you're still walking dogs all day or pet sitting all day and then you have to come home and still do the administrative work, you're going too fast. Your day's never cut off. 
Usually when people hire me, they're like, Natasha, I would just like another five hours back in my day. How can you give me another five hours back in my day? And I'm like, well, tell me all the things that you're doing so then we can cross train someone else to help you out. And it's, it's, it's really business based. You know, I quit my job so I could have freedom and flexibility. So every time I'm feeling a little bit overextended, I'm like, oh, we're going in the wrong direction, going in the wrong direction. That's not the why. That's not why we're doing this. So remind yourself that you love the animals. You're in this to help animals, in this to help families, but not at the detriment of yourself. If you would like to join Natasha's monthly membership group, you can do so at automatedceo.com and use the code PSC20 for 15% off. Thank you so much to our sponsor, Petsters Associates, and our wonderful Patreons who help make this show possible. Thank you so much for listening and taking your most valuable asset, your time to listen to us. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Bye. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha,